together. <laughs> that came out wrong somehow. I'm John Cadogan from AutoExpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap for buyers here in Australia. Website for that, obviously. <coughs> or you can just click the card that's, you know, up there now, dude. Just up there near the Lord of the Sith. I mean, what could possibly go wrong with Uncle Darth looking down protecting us? Now, as the proud father of not one but two fat caves, I can tell you that cheating death is the prime directive of all fat cave operations. Every machine, every process down there, it just wants to murder you, dude. Generally in a Guantanamo and or medieval and occasionally even spiteful fashion. Electrocution, ballistic projectiles, entrapment, mangling with extreme orthopedic surgery challenge, vivisection, traumatic amputation, burns, scalping, if you've got hair, degloving if you wear a ring, and Jesus, oh, so many nerve endings in the human hand. Being dragged into a rotating machine. That's always a bit of a side splitter. Choked with carcinogenic dust or crushed. It's every different flavour of impossible hilarity. Ricky Gervais meet Hannibal Lecter. Down here. It's door to door in Ramadi in the fat cave from time to time, which is of course why it's just so much fun. To wit, jacking a car up and getting under it is not without risk. But it is fun, and you can get cool shit done, and you can feel good about doing it. And that's all a net positive. So we're going to do a four-part series, of which this is part one. And the plan is to release each part every Friday for the next four weeks. Yes! Part one, the gear you need to do this properly. Meaning to make it home alive and not over the top F1 garage stuff, just efficiently and safely. Part two, the best practice basics when you do this, all right? Part three, jacking up a car with a full chassis like a ute or a four x four wagon. And part four, the same thing, but with a unibody vehicle such as most cars and light duty SUVs. And at the end of this four part process, my ambitious aim is you get all four wheels off the deck and you do something worthwhile and you live to bore the family to death with it. The blow by blow at tea time. Now, if you're new here, you should be asking yourself a healthy but sceptical question. Like, why take advice on this from me? Like, look at me, dude, I'm old. I've done this a lot and I'm still here. So there's that. Degree in mechanical engineering, trained in heavy industry, Worked around cars my whole life. So, at the risk of sounding like friggin' Morpheus, I can show you the catwalk, but you have to strap on the Jimmy Choos and strut your way down. Meaning, you have to take full responsibility for not crushing yourself to death. Because, like everything else down here, an elevated car wants to murder you. And I have to say, fat cave ops like this are a daily exam, right? You get to take the exam every day and you have to get 100% every day. 99% and the car murders you. It's serious, okay? 
A lot of people don't get this because they live lives where there are no consequences. The, the Wi-Fi is not working. My ass is looking fat. I've lost my Netflix password. My shoes got wet in the rain. Mommy? This kind of thing ain't that. This can kill you. And you never should lose sight of this fact. However, every 5,000 Ks, you might really, really want to rotate the tyres. Meaning, you might want to put the front tyres on the back and the back tyres on the front, but keep them on the same side of the vehicle. It evens out the wear and it maximises the tyre life and it saves you money and it gets you up off the couch and out of your family's hair. And that's all worthwhile stuff. Now, while you are down there, you can check things like seals for leaks and you can head off expensive mechanical disasters and you can assess the brake pads and stuff of that nature. Getting intimate with your car is good for the soul, dude, provided you don't die doing it. You can, of course, do a job like this with the jack that comes with the car, but I have to say, doing it this way is a royal pain in the ass. And obviously, if you've got one of those cars with run flats or one of those hasty factory hybrid conversions with no spare tyre, because that's where they put the battery, you can't do it at all with the standard kit that comes with the car. But if you've got a conventional jack and a conventional spare and a conventional car, you have to jack up corner one and fit the spare. Then you have to jack up corner two and you have to fit tyre number one to corner number two. And then you have to go back to corner number one and you have to jack it up and fit tyre two. And, oh, Jesus. Then you have to repeat the whole process for the other side of the vehicle. And that's going to get old, right? Six different jacking operations using, essentially, the worst jack ever. Doable, not fun. The centrepiece of not hating jobs like this is get yourself a decent trolley jack. For a fat cave, as opposed to a V8 supercar's crew, a trolley jack is essentially a lifetime purchase. It's going to last you decades, so don't cheap out. But you also don't need a Borum air over hydraulic jack for 4000 bucks or something. I got together with Auto One for this series. They're helping us out, okay? I got the idea for this series from one of their press releases and I chased them up. They just opened a big new store down the road from me on the site of a dealership that went tartars up one day, sadly. So I went in covertly in plain clothes, like I looked like a proper criminal in a suit suitable for Parliament House and everything. And I mystery shopped them, okay? And their customer service, I have to say, was flat out excellent. And I looked around and, as you do, I instantly wanted one of everything. They sent out the jack and the four stands for this project. The retail cost of all of that is about 650 bucks. But they're not sponsoring this video, okay? They're just helping out. I'll put links to the products in the description, but I'm not getting anything out of it. Except, of course, that warm and fuzzy feeling typically associated with being a journalist. The jack is this impact 2000 kilo trolley jack. It's alloy and steel, so not too heavy, but quite solid, and it feels very slick to use. It should last you for decades, provided, of course, you don't store it in the ocean. It's got a two-pump hydraulic system, so it moves fast when there's no load. 
The upshot is it covers the distance from collapsed to the bottom of the diff housing or something in just a few pumps. And then when the load comes on, it goes into high pressure mode and not all that much manual effort is required for big heavy lift. So that's a pretty nice feature to have. Collapsed, the jack is 100 millimeters high and at full extension, it's 465. So that's a decent lift of 365 millimeters and that's compatible with most cars and SUVs because the minimum ADR ground clearance for vehicles is 100 millimeters. And that means most spots under cars are higher than that. Of course, if you've got a track car that is radically lowered, you'll probably need to find a low profile jack. But for most road cars and four wheel drives, this kind of jack is ideal. Impact is Auto One's in-house brand. And I know some in-house brands can be a bit <coughs> cheese grade or something from time to time, but that is not my take on this, okay? If it was, you simply wouldn't be seeing it today. This jack also has an inbuilt overload protection system. So if you go out one day and attempt to jack up the QE2 or something, it'll just look back at you like, what are you trying to do to me kind of thing. And you need to be aware that all jacks sold today must comply with a mandatory Australian standard. It's called AS2615-2016. What a mouthful. This means that anything that complies with that standard has been subjected to a range of rigorous engineering tests and validation, and passing them was simply not optional. If perhaps you're looking at buying an old, potentially dodgy jack on eBay or something, well, you've got one like that in your own fat cave, I'd suggest that this is really not an area where corner cutting is a particularly good idea. Standards compliance for jacks got mandatory in 2016 for a reason. And as an engineer, I can tell you that reasons like this tend to be etched tragically in blood. So there's that. Australian standards are designed to eliminate failure modes and give you relatively huge margins of operational safety. And you definitely want that because the car up there above you, it wants to murder you. Never forget that whenever you get under one, okay? On this point, when you jack a car up, you can see the jack made of metal and it looks really solid, but the load is really only sitting there on a column of hydraulic oil under load, pressure, whatever. And if that fails because a seal just decides that this is the time to give out, the car's gonna murder you, okay? So never get under a car that is supported only by a jack, not for a second. Do not do it. Cutting corners here, saving a little bit of time. Absolutely a false economy. You need to use jack stands whenever you get underneath a car. Get four of them, dude. These babies come in pairs. The options are 4,000 kilos working load limit or 2,000, but I'm not really seeing the case for 2,000 for most people. You get almost 200 millimetres more work height with the bigger ones, right? They're normally 149 bucks a pair, but I've seen them on sale from time to time for 99.95. 4,000 kilos working load limit a piece. And I'd have to say that in things of this nature, overkill rocks. Margins of safety are awesome things to have because every environment you work in is imperfect. 
There's a mandatory standard for jack stands too, another mouthful called AS2538 2016. And I know people use all kinds of dodgy crap to support cars, but my strong advice there is you don't have to be one of them. Masonry blocks, bricks, hugely dangerous. They fail without warning. Wood blocks often predisposed to failing under the influence of lateral shear, particularly if they're stacked up nice and high. People DIY their own dodgy stands with a welder at home. The pro tip there, unless you're a boilermaker or a certified pipeline welder with a bit of design experience, just stick to welding essentially cosmetic projects. Make a workbench or a vice stand or something of that nature, but not something that stops you from dying. The true value of a properly optimised design like this cannot be overstated in my view. The raising and lowering mechanism of these stands is pretty slick. It doubles as a carry handle. There's a secondary safety support pin, which is a brilliant idea. This thing cannot let go under load. There's a wide square pyramid base which is very stable and standards compliance means that the failure modes which you can't see, which are not intuitive, which allow the car to murder you, have definitely been engineered out by proper brainiacs who paid attention to this stuff at university. Against these considerations, in my view, these stands are just amazing value. You need a few other things too, of course. A set of wheel chocks is not negotiable. You also need, obviously, a flat, smooth, level, concrete surface. And it's got to be all of those things. It needs to be flat and level, so the stands essentially line up with gravity, which eliminates any shearing-type influences that reduce the integrity of the lift. It needs to be concrete for stability, because you can't have it just <laughs> sinking down into the floor in an uneven way, that's a disaster looking for a place to happen. And it needs to be smooth so that the jack can roll under load. This is important because the arm moves in an arc and if the surface is rough, it can chock the jack's tiny little wheels. And if that happens, the pad can slip and you'll potentially drop the vehicle mid-lift. That's bad, obviously. You'll also need a better means of undoing the wheel nuts. The standard wrench that comes with every car is crap. Get a battery rattle gun and an impact socket, which is my preferred option here. Alternatively, a long half-inch drive breaker bar works well with an extension and a socket. Breaker bars are available up to about 600 millimetres long in half-inch drive, and that gives you more than double the leverage of the standard wrench. Or get a cross-type wheel brace, which is dirt cheap and very effective also. If you're buying a breaker bar, okay, get a chrome vanadium one with a metal end, not a plastic end, even though that might seem more comfortable, okay? You can hit the metal end with a hammer, like a brass hammer or something, which is an old fitting and machining trick for profoundly stuck 
fasteners. We might talk about that next week. Common sizes for wheel nuts are 17, 19, 21, 22 and 24 millimetres. And you've got to make sure you get the right socket. Otherwise, obviously, it's all just modern art. And you might need a deep drive socket depending on the wheel nut design. Anyway, measure twice and cut once there, dude. And you'll need a torque wrench too at the end of the project because wheels are held onto cars using high tensile bolted joint design. And I've done a whole video on that, which I will link in a card up there and in the description also, if you're interested in the physics of that and the practicalities. The bottom line, the torque really matters and you simply cannot hope to just wing it using your ugga-dugga and the Jedi mind powers. Get a torque wrench with a capacity of about 200 Newton meters and half inch drive. It can also be a little bit dingy down there. And to do what you need to do, you need to see what's going on and also leave both hands free at times. So my preferred solution there is something like an Olight Swivel, which is a brilliant, versatile work light that's compact, fits in your pocket, doubles as a torch. It's got a hook and a magnetic base. Is there anything it can't do? And the value proposition there is pretty strong also. Alternatively, the Ghetto Head Torch works well which in my case is an Olight Warrior Mini 2 or a Baton 3 clipped to the peak of my dome-protecting baseball cap. Yes. Finally, get some safety specs, dude, because you're going to be lying on your back and essentially looking up at a whole bunch of things just itching to jump down into your eyes. Because if they can't murder you, then blinding you is obviously the next best option. Now, it takes about three seconds to put on a pair of safety specs, but blindness is generally forever. So there's that. Next week, I'll have episode two for you, the general best practice getting jacked together guidelines. If you want to make it back alive, I can guarantee it'll be emotional. A roller coaster of sorts. Just remember, what happens under the car stays under the car especially if you get this wrong. <laughs>